Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Here in East Palestine. Consider using bottled water. Dead fish indicates there were contaminants that left the site. The EPA is closely monitoring. What are UFOs? We're actually very unsure. We've started shooting them down. Come clean. The president needs to find the courage to get in front of the American public and tell them what he knows. We have to have more answers. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. News and Views for a Wednesday. Tom and Benny and Clark with you. Uh, boy, it is more and more I'm, I'm feeling old. Actress Raquel Welsh, 82 years old, passed away earlier today. Hot as fish grease. I mean, that's just the only thing to say. She was uh, a striking woman, and uh, you know she was. And and what's interesting about her is, you know, a lot of these nineteen sixty bombshells. By nineteen seventy, they were has beens, Mm. and she managed to really have some relevance in Hollywood for a long, long time. She actually had sort of a reoccurring role in the Seinfeld uh, show. Yeah. And uh, apparently she had uh, some short sickness and uh, passed away. I read an article about her years ago, and uh, you know she looked she looked fabulous for years. I mean, on up in her seventies. Yeah. And yeah. Um, you know she she was kind of had a really strict regimen as far as diet and exercise and all. And, you know. Well, if you're going to stay in shape and and you you make your living off of your looks, uh, I guess that's what you have to do. Uh, passed away. She had. Uh, a career spanning 50 years, 30 films, 50 television series or appearances, won the Gold, Golden Globe. Um, she leaves behind two children, a son, Damon, and a daughter, uh, Tanny. And uh, I guess her big, um, the biggest starring, it was sort of a goofy film, but uh, The Fantastic Voyage, where, where they shrink this ship. And inject this ship into some uh, ambassador or some some government official, and the fantastic voyage is going up this guy's artery. <laughs> I mean, there were some really goofy plots uh, back in the sixties and seventies, but uh, that there, was there was a movie like that with Martin Short. Yeah, Inner Space, like in the it was a takeoff one, yeah, like in the eighties, wasn't it, Clark? Something like that. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, she she also was in One Million Years B.C., which is uh, the role that uh, many a young man had a poster of uh, her. Yeah, those fuzzy britches. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and but you know, she just she had she had class, and it seems like uh, again she she was the exception rather than the rule for uh, women that started out. With the career that she had in Hollywood, she actually finished well. Uh, just got a, uh email uh, or a text message from Keith Kidwell. Medicaid expansion has passed the North Carolina House. We talked to Keith wow. about this uh, yesterday. 120 members in the House, and uh, they didn't have a supermajority in the House. I can't remember what the... But anyway, there was only 23 no votes. 
about mm. expanding Medicaid. And, you know, early on, at least last year, and I'm sure it's a completely different, uh, obviously a different time, but, uh, you know, last year the, the House is where everyone thought it would be a problem, you know, as far as getting it through the House. Well, it didn't get through last year. In fact, I don't think they really voted on it last year, did they? I don't think so. No, I think one. I think one floated around, maybe, but uh, I don't think it was ever voted on. It's interesting. The uh, guy that really was sort of pushing hard on this, uh, other than the leadership, was uh, Representative Donnie Lambeth, and uh, he had a background in healthcare. Um. It, uh, you know, there's just, I don't know if you heard yesterday's program, but I talked to Keith quite a bit about this. Uh, we were talking about some other things as well. But, uh, you know, right now they're saying that, well, uh, the federal government is going to pay 90% of this Medicaid expansion. They also have, I think it was a $1.5 billion signing bonus for North Carolina. Um, and they also said if the federal portion of this ever falls below 90%, they will uh, discontinue it as quickly as possible. Mm. And as I mentioned to Keith, does anybody actually think that's going to happen? Once, yeah. you get, once this camel has its nose in the tent, do you think when, that's going to happen? When you provide benefits, it's uh, it's pretty hard to cut them out. Yeah, and the longer you provide them, the more difficult it becomes. Yeah. But, uh you know, North Carolina is kind of in a position, I, I mean, it's obvious on the federal level, and I think uh, Republicans can be equally um, um, talked about as much as Democrats, but the, the Republic, the, uh, at the federal level, there seems to be no appetite in true health care reform, no. <laughs> health care cost reform, and there seems to be no appetite at the federal level for any uh, budgetary constraints and and entitlement reform. So, I mean, what is North Carolina going to do? I mean, are they just going to sit back and, um, and, you know, I I think they've kind of been painted in the corner, the federal levels, and I think the the Republicans at the federal level are just as at fault as the Democrats have left states with no other choice, to be honest with you. It is uh, sort of disappointing, and and I realize, you know, the, the... The train has left the station on this, as you're sort of alluding to. But, you know, when this was first dangled out there to the states, North Carolina stood up and said, listen, it's still taxpayer money that's going to be spent, regardless of whether it comes from North Carolinians up to D.C. and then comes back to North Carolina, which is, uh, I mean, we get a whole debate about that. I mean, why are we sending all this money up to the feds only to have them dictate to back to the states uh, oh, if you want this money back, you've got to follow our rules. And that's what exactly what the, the fed, feds want. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. You know? And this is exactly what's happened here. But, you know, when they first started dangling this, I don't know how many years ago it was, but the North Carolina legislature at the time was, was run by Republicans. And they said, no, we're not going to do it. It's irresponsible. And you know blame well that uh, as soon as they get everybody signed up, they're going to pull back on this 90%. Uh, investment from the federal government, but again, it's the taxpayer money, regardless if 90% comes from the feds or if, uh, you know, what, whatever percentage comes from the state or the feds, it's still taxpayer money. And, and, and you know, defending anyone that, uh, any, any legislature in North Carolina, um, their position on this, I mean, I mean, their position on this has got to be, you know, you, you can have, have principles and conservative principles about, 
spending money and the budget and 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 realizing the the debt problems that the federal government has. But at the end of the day, as a legislator, you control North Carolina. That's what you're elected to do. So if you think it's in the best interest of North Carolina to expand Medicaid, then 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 you have to do it, even if. From a principled standpoint, you disagree with it, which I think probably most Republicans and most ones voted on it disagree with it. But you know, they've been kind of painted in that position. And it's it's uh, again, I'm 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 not saying I'm a know-it-all or anything else, but I, I'm it's 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 disappointing how glibly people respond to this kind of thing and act like it's free money. Like, yeah. where, where is this tree with all this money growing on up in, uh, up in D.C.? I'd, I'd like to get one of these money trees. Well, i tell you what's got to happen, and, and people, that have, <laughs> people that have served with me in various capacities over the years, they prob- and if they're listening, they probably get tired of hearing it because they've heard it from me before. But sooner or damn later, we're going to have to get people at the table when it comes to health care reform, that has actually written a check for their health insurance. Oh, thank you. Their health insurance <laughs> for their employees and understand yeah. what it is to have $2,500 a month health care premiums, like I do, um, instead of people that work for government, that work for big business, yep. that likes to have all sorts of good ideas. But guess what? They ain't never written a check for their own right. insurance. Right. So, and if, if, you know, when I first went into business for myself back in 1986, you know the the whole radio station I was I I was paying for, and I can't remember the exact numbers, but I was paying for family coverage, and for the for the entire full time staff of this radio station, and you know it was several hundred dollars a month. My gosh, now it is. I mean, it'd be at least several thousand dollars a month, if not more. Well, I'll give you actual numbers. In 2000, the the Affordable Care Act passed in 2010. Uh, you know, Obama and all the Democrats basically said, you know, we'll never have to worry about health care again. <laughs> basically. Yeah. Um, well, in 2000, 2009, my health insurance premiums for me and my family, which is four people. Was three? I still got the information. Three hundred ninety-eight dollars a month, which I was paying one hundred percent. What year was this? This was two thousand and nine. Okay. Now in two thousand twenty-three, it's twenty-five hundred dollars a month. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for that uh, helpful. <laughs> I mean, piece of legislation there, Obama. Uh, but by the way, uh, okay, we we. It'll be interesting to see now that they've passed a Medicaid expansion, if we can report on this in a couple of years down the road. WITN is reporting a revised consensus for the fiscal year is showing a 10% revenue bump for the state government. Economists from the House of State Budget and Management and the General Assembly Fiscal Research Division revised the fiscal revenue forecast with an anticipated $3.25 billion surplus. This would put the total revenue at $33.76 billion, a 10.7% increase, almost an 11% increase. These increased funds are needed desperately to pay our teachers more, fund our schools more, provide our child care more. Uh, this from Roy Cooper is what he's saying. Yeah, it, was, it, it sort of burned me when I looked at this story. WITN had a big picture over top of the headline that this, you know, this bump in, in revenues, they had a big picture of Roy Cooper. Like, uh, what, did Roy Cooper have anything to do with, if Roy Cooper was the guy in charge of the budget, would be upside down. Uh, yeah. Would be well, upside I mean, down. The last time that uh, 
uh, prior to Roy, when we had Governor Dumplin in there, and she left the office, everybody, uh, if you were a business owner, your unemployment insurance uh, went skyrocketed for several years because they had to pay off the debt. About $3 billion in debt, yeah. as I recall, yeah. something like that. Yeah. yeah, And I remember having to pay it. I'm thinking, boy, this is uh, thanks a lot, Dumplin. This, uh, this is really helpful to small businesses. But the idea that Roy Cooper had something to do with the surplus is ludicrous. And and his response to the surplus, well, we got to spend it. Let's hurry up and spend as much as we can. Yeah, Roy Cooper's power is only as good as whatever his executive order during a pandemic is. And that's, uh, yeah. you know, ho- hopefully that those days are over. <laughs> Hope so. Mm-hmm. Um, get, get ready with cut to uh, Clark as we're getting ready to go into break. Um, this actually was a real statement that came out of the White House press room yesterday. Corrine Jean-Pierre. Uh, a reporter was asking, I think this guy was from Newsmax, was asking about um, the ability for, uh, you know, how does Joe communicate and, you know, whether it be teleprompter or whether it's ad lib. And anyway, you can't make this stuff up. This is Corrine Jean-Pierre's response. That played a greater strength somewhere he probably isn't as strong, etc. I will tell you this. The president is the best communicator that we have in the White House. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was going to put him in a... The president is the best communicator that we have in the White House. A three-letter word. Jobs. J-O-B-S. Jobs. The president is the best communicator that we have in the White House. Let me start off with two words. Made in America. (laughs) Made in America. That's not hyperbole. I'm not joking about that, as you know. Does that make any sense to anybody, or is it just me? It's just you, Joe. What are you talking about? (laughs) Now, listen, I will will give this to Karina Jean-Pierre. Compared to Kamala and compared to uh, Jean-Pierre, he might be the best one in the White House. <laughs> Terrible. But that was a, that, I mean, that was an actual. I mean, she is so. She's more clueless than Biden is. <laughs> she is. <laughs> that last thing that Biden said in that clip there. <clears throat> and if anyone from my office is listening, they they know they've heard, heard this from me many times. When someone tells me, you know. When I say something, they say, well, that doesn't make sense. It's like, no, you can't make sense of it. That's the difference between it doesn't make sense. It makes perfectly good sense. You're just not able to make sense of it. And we're going to take a time out. Stay with us. More news and views coming up. We'll be right back. I'm always reluctant after being here 37 years to tell people what the American people think. Uh, And I don't. I can't swear I do. I know what I think. I think I know what they think, but I'm not sure what they think. This is Eastern Carolina News and Views. Such a wordsmith. And that audio was from like 13 years ago. I mean, he was a screwball back then. And uh, anyway, he's continuing on. Uh, taking a look at your weather forecast, cloudy tonight, a low of 58, not all that cold. Tomorrow, cloudy skies, a chance of a rain shower passing through. The high is going to get up close to 80. Wow. Yeah. Uh, it was nice out there today, a little breezy, but it was nice. Tomorrow night, overcast, a low of 66. The rain really comes in on Friday. 
The uh, high in the morning will be 69, then it will fall down to 55 by the afternoon. Chance of rain is 100%. So we could get a half an inch of rain on Friday. I think the drought is over in eastern North Carolina. We've had plenty of rain here of late. It's uh, grounds, you know, and the way the rain has come the last few times, it's kind of lo- slow and it's not, you know, yeah. you know it's it's not a hard runoff, that type of thing. The ponds are full. So uh, I hope everybody had a good Valentine. hope you remembered your Valentine yesterday. Actually, uh, I guess this is post-Valentine's Day. February the 15th is known as Love Reset Day. I, don't I know will do of. anything. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> Ooh, I don't There's a lot of resetting there. Uh, I don't want to reset anything with Nancy. Uh, Do you have any questions? You know, it's interesting. The, um, Nikki Haley making her official announcement yesterday that she was... Three percenter. Yeah, but it's, it's really interesting. And uh, it, it, it turns one's stomach to see these liberals... Turn on this woman, and now listen. If I, I don't look at Nikki Haley as a person of color, I don't know if she does or not. But uh, I, I would tell you this: that if it was a Democrat woman from India, they'd be touting themselves as a person of color. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, they, you know, it, exactly. They would be carting her out as a person oh, of yeah. color. Yeah, the, 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 and the, she would check the box for intersectionality on at least mm-hmm. that one. But my gosh, the the liberals are just going after her and are, are just uh, just trying to rip her apart. That she had anything to do with Donald Trump, and it's just like you have no credibility at all. You're a liar. You're a racist. Well, you're that's a it. turncoat. Yeah, that tells you one thing. They're afraid of her. Just like I guess, just like Ron DeSantis when they came out, you know, throwing uh, throwing daggers at Ron DeSantis just as soon he as soon as he was in office in Florida the first first go around. Saw right then. I was like, yep, they see him as a threat. The niece of Donald Trump, Mary Trump, I, I'm not really that familiar uh, with she's, her. Yeah, she's, she's a, a nut. nut. She's yeah. a nut case, yeah. Sounds like it. Um, anyway, she came out with a tweet um, saying, quote, first of all, blank you, um, Nimrata Haley, that was her Indian name, she goes by Nikki, uh, wrote Mary Trump. Second, you are a racist, anti-American sellout. Third, my friend at D2Cents podcaster Danielle Moody has more integrity, intelligence, passion, and decency in one fingernail than you have in your entire being. I have no idea who Danielle Moody is. Are we supposed to know? Are we supposed to be impressed? And the only, only reason anyone would listen to her is because her last name's Trump, and her uncle happens to be Donald Trump. Yeah, so. yeah. Anyway, um, what's really interesting about... All, all the liberals are really upset that she's running. Donald Trump, on the other hand, came out today that he is glad Nikki Haley is running for the 24 GOP presidential nomination, which would tell me that, A, they've had a powwow, and they said, hey, get your name out there, and then you can be my VP. Or he doesn't think that she's got a shot at uh, you know, taking any votes away from him. That's exactly what it is. He knows that uh, you know, 2% here, 3% there, 4% there. Sooner or later, he can win the nomination. Well, yeah, they, they split up, split yeah. up the, uh, all, the, all the, the minority votes, and he will still have the biggest chunk. But as we've said previously, 
is he going to get the biggest chunk? Well, I, I think I think he has got a solid thirty to thirty five percent people that won't leave him. Yeah, and and that thing about it is, um, if for instance, let's say everybody got out and it was just between him and Ron DeSantis, and Ron DeSantis wins the nomination, um, he can't win the general election without the Trump voters, and I don't think Donald Trump can win the general election himself. So it's 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 a tough situation. So yeah. so if I was him, I'd be I'd be pumping up uh, Tim Scott. I'd be pumping up uh, Yunkin and uh, well, he said today Mike Pompeo. The, he said the more the merrier. Yeah. Come on, yeah. Mike Pompeo, uh, Mike Pence, uh, Ron DeSantis, uh, Christy Nome, as you said, Tim Scott, Nikki Haley. And I'm not sure that all those people are going to get in. I, I mean, if they're going to get in, I think they're uh, Yunkin. There's another name for you. Yeah. I, I really think Glenn Chris Young. Christie, Chris Christie. I, good grief! <laughs> I mean, what in the world is he getting in for? But uh, yeah, free buffet. I, I think Yunkin. Uh, I think Yunkin's going to be in, and and I tell you, Yunkin's going to get a lot of votes just because he's going to have a boatload of money. I, I tell you what, I'd, I'd be be willing to say this. I hadn't looked at his financial disclosure, but based on what I've read about him, uh, I'd be willing to bet he's got more cash than Donald Trump as far as hard cold cash. Now, depending on how much he, money he can raise, that's a, that's another story. But uh, he's not going to New York and having fundraisers when he can't run in Virginia again. So Larry Hogan is another name that now you Maryland? talk about rhino. Yeah, the that's governor, Maryland, yeah. ex governor of Maryland, is really a rhino. Uh, Asa Hutchinson of Arkansas, Chris Sununu of New Hampshire, uh, Yunkin, Chris Christie, uh, Will Hurd of Texas, Representative Will Hurd. Mm-hmm. I don't even. That's not even ringing a bell with me. Yeah, I, I recognize the name. I just can't uh, can't place what he's been doing. <laughs> it's uh, he's he's a he's a one percenter probably. <laughs> so we are still. By the way, have you have you been following any of these stories about all the the wind mills out uh, on the ocean floor and all these dead whales being beached? And they're blaming it not only on uh, not only the windmills themselves, but they're blaming a lot of it on when they go out to put these windmills in. They have these boats go out and they send some sort of signal down to the floor of the ocean to find out how hard it is or how far they have to go before they hit something substantial to put so, the footing. So they're in. attracting the whales. Uh, well, apparently they're making the de- the whales deaf, and a hmm. deaf whale is a dead whale. Yeah, because they can't eat. I mean, because that's how they, that's yeah. their main incentive. Well, and I think it's their navigation, too. Yeah. Uh, but um, it, it is uh, interesting that you don't have a lot of these uh, tree hugger types, the environmentalists, going bananas over this. It's, it's, it's sort of crickets out there. Today, uh, John Kennedy, the Louisiana senator, was grilling a couple of individuals that um, are going to are looking to be gurus within uh, the climate change. Uh, what do you call it? The, the those in the Biden administration they would be advisors to those wanting to push climate change. And John Kennedy just got to the bottom line. And the two guys he's interviewing here, one's named Robert Litterman. Um, what's the other guy's name? 
anyway, you'll you'll hear him say it. Um, and the term you're looking for is the Congregation of the Church of Climate Change. Yeah, that's it. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> now, this is this audio is a little longer we normally play, but this so well describes and shows you how inept these people are how it is an emotional issue. They have no idea what the facts are. They have no idea what the outcome would be. They just want to throw a lot of money at it. Here is uh, uh, Senator John Kennedy interviewing these two. Dr. Litterman, how much will it cost to make the United States of America carbon neutral by 2050? I don't know, sir. So you're advocating we do these things, but you don't know the ultimate cost? Yes, absolutely. I, I, I certainly don't know the ultimate cost, and it's very uncertain. It depends on innovations. It depends on... I, I, I'm just trying to lay a foundation here to understand your expert testimony. Dr. Holtzikin, do you know how much it will cost to make the United States of America carbon neutral by 2050? Depends how you do it. If we do it all in the federal budget with directed things... It'll be Public super and private expensive. dollars. You're going to look at $50 trillion. $50 trillion. Okay, thank you. If we make the United States of America carbon neutral by 2050 by spending $50 trillion, how much will that lower world temperatures? I can't expect because we don't know what China and India and the rest of the globe has done. Dr. Litterman. Yes. If we spend $50 trillion or however much it takes, to make the United States carbon neutral by 2050, how much will it lower world temperatures? Senator, that depends on the rest of the world. We have to work with the rest of the world. We're in this together. Well, it's what one if, world. If, we can't build a wall around the United if, States if, and say... What if we spend $50 trillion, Europe cooperates, most Western democracies cooperate, but India and China don't? How much will our $50 trillion lower world temperature? We're in this together, Senator. We how have to get will, the world to you, work together. How much? I, I get that. Okay. How much will it lower world temperature? If China and India do not help. Yes. I don't know. Dr. Litterman, do, do you believe, based on your observation of uh, Mr. Xi Jinping, that Mr. Xi Jinping will ever do anything faced with a policy? where China does something that's not in its best interest, but it does it because it's in the global best interest. Do you think President Xi would do that? I think that President Xi understands that we have to work together to address this global problem. Yes, I do. And it will be in the best interest of China to work with the United States to address this problem. So you think problem. the answer is yes? I think the answer is that it's in China's best interest to work with the rest of the world to address this problem, as it is in the United States' you, best interest believe, to work with the rest of the world to believe, address this problem. Do you to believe, create harmonized incentives to reduce Do you believe the in the tooth fairy? No, sir. Do you believe in the Easter bunny? <laughs> no, sir. Do you believe that Jimmy Hoffa died of natural causes? No, sir. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, well, well, I just thought, what was that? The guy... Uh, the guy that was testifying here, uh, one's uh, Dr. Robert Litterman, and the other guy is Dr. Douglas Holtz-Egan. I started writing down phrases, and it's obviously they're singing off this 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 sheet music that they all provide. Yeah. What was it? He said harmonize something. He said work together about a million times, but he's, he yeah, called it, it harmonize something. I'm like, we got to harmonize our deal together so it's a one world thing. I mean, again, I, I, I don't want to. 
if you've ever been to China, if you've ever been to India, you know this is a fallacy. This is a joke. They have no interest in this at all. Can you say ass on the radio? Well, you just did. Oh, okay. Well, I thought we had a, I thought we had a dump button. But, you know, Senator Kennedy, I mean, he was a lot more diplomatic than I would be. I mean, I'd say, you know, Professor, uh, China doesn't give a rat's arse about yeah, this. Yeah, I mean, don't. don't you realize they don't. that? They don't care. No. No. If you have ever been to either one of those countries, you know how, I mean, you literally can cut the smog, the the soot in the air. You can literally cut it with a knife. It's bad. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back in. The Justice Department has uh, formally decided not to charge Matt Gates with any kind of sex trafficking investigation. I mean, how, you, you decided not to charge Matt Gates in sex trafficking investigation, so they're not going to do an investigation, I guess is what they're saying. The Department of Justice um, has confirmed to Congressman Gates' attorney, their investigation has concluded that he will not be charged in any crimes. CNN first reported that the DOJ officials informed witnesses of the decision by the DOJ leadership. Investigators were reportedly looking into whether Gates had a sexual relationship with a 17-year-old. Um, Gates said that the only time he had sex with a 17-year-old was when he was 17. <laughs> um, uh, he's bragging, huh? <laughs> he is now forty. Uh, I, 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 you know, and again, this this came up what last year, early yeah. last year. I think it's been going on a year. He's Captain Weirdo. He, he is. He's a little different. He's. Yeah. But, uh, I, that doesn't mean he's guilty of I, sex trafficking. I'm certainly not going to make any accusations that I cannot support because one number one, I don't want to get sued. But <laughs> there's some there there of something. He's just weird. <laughs> Well, he had he had another guy that he was hanging around with, um, and, and one of the things the DOJ said on this was the witnesses were just really sketchy. Mm -hmm. uh, in the federal sex trafficking case, prosecutors reportedly recommended against charging Gates back in the fall because two key witnesses had questionable credibility. One of the witnesses was a female with whom Gates was allegedly involved when she was 17, Joel Greenberg, a former tax collector in Seminole County, Florida, and a friend of Gates, was identified as the second witness. Greenberg pleaded guilty to charges of underage sex trafficking, wire fraud, stalking, identity theft, producing a fake ID card. This guy is bad news. I, I, I hope Gates doesn't hang around with him anymore. And conspiring to defraud the U.S. government, a federal judge sentenced Greenberg to 11 years in prison last December after Greenberg cooperated with the Justice Department's investigation. So this guy cooperated with the DOJ, and he still got 11 years. <laughs> well, I wish the DOJ was more... <clears throat> 
more concerned with people that had been convicted of sex crimes, like Jeffrey Epstein and, and uh, was it Gassane Maxwell? Yeah. I mean, look at all the look at all the Democrats and 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 uh, royalty and uh, entertainers that uh, I mean, yeah, including uh, including some big business people. I yeah. mean, I'd like be politicians. Look, that'd be more concerned with people that actually have been convicted of that yeah. and that hang around those. Well, and then uh, has a long record of women that were trafficked. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, not, it wasn't just one case. I mean, you know, the Epstein thing and uh, Galene Maxwell. I mean, my well, goodness. I just remember what my granddad told me. <laughs> Son, you lay with dogs, you're gonna get fleas. You ever heard that one? I have. You've told me that several times. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, Republican Kentucky Representative Thomas Massey. He was actually on this program years ago with uh, Walter smart. Jones Jr. He is He's very smart. smart. Yeah, you look at his background, you're like, ooh. Well, he, he made his money in software, I think. I think so. He's like an MIT grad, as yeah. I recall. Well, and he, his house is totally off the grid. Somewhere out in the boondocks in in uh, kentucky i mean he is totally off the grid but he is smart as a whip he has reintroduced hr 899 for the 118th congress which seeks to eliminate the u.s department of education mm-hmm. i've introduced the bill to terminate the department of education there is no constitutional authority for this federal bureaucracy to exist he wrote uh, just two just yesterday massey previously introduced hr 899 in the last congress in february of 21 um, that was the first time uh, he introduced it, and uh, of course it, it uh, dissolved as it didn't pass at the end of uh, ni- uh, 2022. Uh, unless bureaucrats in Washington, D.C. should not be in charge of our children's intellectual and moral development, Massey said in a press release for the bill's introduction in 21, states and local communities are best positioned to shape curricula and meet the needs of their students. Schools should be accountable. Parents should have the right to choose the most appropriate educational opportunity for their children, including homeschool, public school, or private school. And, you know, it's interesting, as we have seen, of course, last year we saw the DOJ get involved in school board meetings. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, really, that, that our founding fathers wanted, wanted the, 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 I mean, they would, Obviously, we didn't have the DOJ when our founding fathers, you know, came up with everything. But the, they they wanted the federal government involved in some in the local school in in those decisions. Uh, I hope I hope Massey's uh, bill passes. I, I I doubt it, but uh, I just hope it gets to the floor. But it probably yeah. won't. Yeah. PJ Media is reporting a news item from WCBI TV station in Columbus, Mississippi. The headline was straightforward enough. Arkansas woman arrested accused of making bomb threats in Oxford. We're told that Oxford police said an Arkansas woman is facing charges for making bomb threats in rebel territory. 29-year-old Lily Messmacher is accused of false reporting of placing explosives. Police said they got their information that she was mentioning bomb threats in Oxford on social media. All right, well, that's bad enough, PJ Media says, but uh, the story also carries a photo, which I saw, of Lily Massmacher. And you will notice, as you read the story and look at the picture, that Ms. Massmacher has got a heavy beard 
and a hairy chest. Pigs? Pig suet. <laughs> and then the Arkansas chant, pig suet. Uh, and P.J. Meter makes a great point here. Who's crazier, Lily Massmacher or the journalist who indulge in this guy's fantasy, referring to him without any explanation as an Arkansas woman? I mean, we have that's how crazy we have gotten. I mean, we, we our our society is has lost it. They <laughs> have. I'm just yeah. Now, was this person? Uh, was this person a, a, a Razorback fan and didn't like the uh, Mississippi Rebels? I, I, I do not know. I, <laughs> perhaps. Perhaps. But, uh, mm, that reminds me. Arkansas. Yeah. No, I can't say anything. I better, <laughs> I better hush. We got some Ar- We probably have some Arkansas listeners out there. Hey, we got to go to the timeout. Stay with us. We'll be back in a minute. Back to News and Views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. House Oversight Committee... Chair James Comer reportedly has copies of a court document that is uh, a part of his probe into the Biden crime family. (laughs) They are uh, nine violations, including wire fraud, tax evasion, and money laundering. But a part of this, I mean, we hear a lot about Hunter, but a big part of this is uh, James Biden. Jim Bove, yeah. Yeah. He is now, um, apparently they now have evidence that he was a uh, go-between when a a construction company called Hill International was um, stiffed by the Saudi government to the tune of $100 million, $140 million. And uh, they couldn't collect the money, so they got James Biden involved because... As, and Biden brags, I mean, it's interesting how both Joe and uh, Jim Biden brag about the illegal things they're doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, when Biden was over there talking about the Ukraine, if you don't fire this guy, we're going to withhold a billion dollars. Well, this James Biden just said, well, hey, you know, our names are the last names. You know, my, my, there's a lot of influence. I can force things to happen. It's illegal. You, 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 you're not allowed to use your position as whether you're vice president or president to extort money from anybody yeah and that's when the uh, that's when the biden the bidens became wealthy when you look at the financial disclosures of joe biden when he was in senate i mean he was he he had nothing i mean his net worth was literally comprised of his net present value of his government pension i mean just about upside down this house and when he became vice president this influence building was a family business. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is when this happened with Jim Biden. Oh yeah, I, I remember reading this about this a few years ago. Uh, you know, the, the guy. Twenty eleven. Twenty eleven. Yeah, yeah, Jim Biden is just, he's just this typical guy that's never been successful at anything until he was able to influence pedal. But that was the family business. I mean, I think they all were in on it. Oh yeah. Uh, well, and and it wasn't just because he was being helpful to this Hill Construction Company, Hill International. Uh, James Biden was actually the president of a subsidiary of this company. And what this story does not tell, and I'm sure we will eventually find out, was how much money was the, uh, thank you very much for helping us out, here's a little percentage that goes to you. And and they did settle for $132 million. So how much did uh, Jimbo get? 
quite a bit, I would imagine. But um, what's interesting about this, as they have dug deeper into this, and they've done they've done interviews over the years, because this is a story, this is an old story, but um, what's interesting is James Biden's wife, Sarah, said during the interviews when uh, Lankford and Reed um, did an investigation and they, they, they took depositions and whatnot, Sarah said that Joe and James told each other everything. Now, what's interesting about that is what does what has Joe been telling us forever <laughs> that I, I I knew nothing about family oh, yeah. business. I had nothing to do with Hunter. I had nothing to do with James. We had there was there was no connection there. I was totally separate. I I do not know what's going on. Everybody knows he's lying through his teeth or his dentures, whatever they are. In there. But the problem is, you know, you, if people could get convicted for lying to the public, uh, there would be a lot of the prisons would be filled. Yeah. You know, until they until they start uh, deposing some people and getting them under oath uh, and get them to turn evidence, uh, yeah, it's just all uh, nothing's going to happen. Yeah, it's sad that our judicial system is such that that people really do. And I, I've, I've got to say, um, now is it in every aspect of the criminal system? I don't know, but there is at certain levels there are definitely two sets of standards. Oh, there is. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to uh, people being held accountable for their actions, and uh, it is a, uh, as I say often, uh, pray for our nation because the corruption is so deep and so thick and uh, so so corrupt that uh, including the media for covering oh, yeah. it up. Oh yeah. Oh, they're, 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 they are so complicit in this, it's, it makes your head spin. Uh, I mean, I know we're, we're a drop in the uh, ocean uh, down here doing news and views, but that's why we do it, trying to shine a spotlight on it when we can. And thanks for being with us today. We'll do it again tomorrow. We'll play a little political trivia. See you at 5. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.